This week's Sonic Talk, Isotope Iris, finally gets an airing. £265,000 for a K2000, you're kidding, right? Two-pack and the holographic possibilities, music-themed soft furnishings, and why mic bacteria should be something you should know about. Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha. Check out the O1V96i compact digital mixing console at a Yamaha dealer near you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 262, recording today uh, live on Wednesday, the, what is it? It's the 18th of April. Uh, First of all, apologies for those who are trying to listen live. Uh, There seems to be some kind of issue with the video streaming server, which we've never had before, so I'm not exactly sure how to fix it. But you'll just have to wait until this gets put up online and you can uh, uh, see it in uh, glorious uh, 720p via YouTube. But uh, this week, uh, I've got three guests with me, and uh, it's a kind of a special week because there's a bit of a special uh, subject and a special release that uh, we have a kind of uh, a kinship with, I think it would be fair to say. But first of all, let's introduce my guests and then we can come back to that because I've got a couple of videos to play. So we'll start over here with uh, PJ Tracy um, from pjtracysound.com, who has been frustrated in his attempts to get video working. We will get there in the end. I know we will, PJ, but in the meantime, we uh, we will just have to uh, bask in the uh, the icon that is PJ Tracy on on Skype. Anyway, PJ, how are you? I'm I'm very well, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, doing very well. Um, It's warm here this morning. Uh, Looking forward to the topics this morning. Um, Fantastic uh, release this this uh, this first topic. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, doing well yourself. Uh, I'm good actually. Uh, I've just finished doing the uh, Clavia or Nord drum review, uh, which uh, I'm pleased to have got out of the way. Just because I wasn't sure quite how I would uh, pull it together, I managed to borrow a pad off somebody so I could. Uh, plug it all in and everything so hopefully um that should be online fairly soon and we published our yamaha thr uh, amp review which I, sh- I thoroughly recommend anyone who's interested in like a little tiny uh digital uh, modeling amp as uh, worth checking out very good sounding um piece of equipment that is i must say anyway thanks for joining us pj um let's go now to m- uh, mark tinley who's over there um in i always get this wrong you're gonna have to just prompt me where are you I'm in Bedfordshire. Bedfordshire. I knew it was one of the shires. I La- should have stayed in Cambridgeshire, but I've, I've moved to Bedfordshire. Lang- uh, likebeing.com. And uh, you're sporting a hat this week. Is that a haircut yeah. or is it just a bit chilly? I have in your- had a haircut. Ah. I'm looking all smart because I'm going to go and do some civil ceremonies and name some people's children. It never helps to look like a, a mad drug-crazed lunatic when you're naming people's children because it makes them cry. So. Certainly not. And certainly not in the publicity photos for your uh, your kind of uh, work for higher literature either, I'd imagine, yes. But, uh, anyway, Mark, thank you very much for joining us as well. And I know you've got a special connection with uh, today's first topic. But before we get there, we'll also say hello to Dave Spears from g4software.com. There hello. he is. Dave, uh, Dave might be looking a little bit relaxed. Uh, there's a certain something that is um, that is presumably out of your hands now and out into the outside world that we can talk about, right? Yay! Well, this is obviously why we didn't go to places like Messer and Nam and stuff like that. So, yes, 
I think I alluded to the fact that there were a couple of exciting things, and obviously the propeller heads thing was one, but this has been bubbling under for a long, long time. So, yeah. Yes, and it, I have. Uh, in fact, I've got some things to play because I think, uh, really, uh, we should introduce it with a bit of video. So if you've just in case you have been under a rock for a couple of days or you haven't been exposed to the wonder of uh, what is going on with uh, uh, Isotope, here it comes. Iris is a groundbreaking sampler and resynthesizer that harnesses the power of both your eyes and your ears. Unearth unique sounds and textures using the spectral selection technology made famous with Isotope RX. First, load a preset or sample from the extensive Iris sound library or drag and drop in your own audio file. The blend slider adjusts the balance between the waveform and spectrogram display of your sample. Built-in root note detection automatically assigns the correct note and maps your sample across the keyboard, which you can adjust as you please. Iris comes with innovative visual selection tools. You can isolate and carve out harmonic content that then becomes the basis for your synthesis. You can load up to three samples, plus a sub that can enrich and reinforce your sound with preset waveforms. The synth panel contains dedicated controls for each sample, including tuning, enveloping, and LFO control, as well as master send effects that use Isotope's award-winning DSP. Right, I'll stop it there. But, I mean, this is big, big news. This is the thing that uh, basically has been worked on. Uh, Dave Spears, I know you've been basically sort of over helping bring this to fruition. Um, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about... Um, just about the process and and you know how how it was uh, how it came about uh you know i've not no i i was going to say i've no idea and that would be the end of that and kill that topic to stone yeah. thanks no, um yeah thanks bye what happened was i was doing some sound design for a film and and, uh, and the vibe was to try and find to try and confuse listeners as to whether a sound was synthetic or organic and at the time i was using rx and isolating certain harmonics within sounds and this was the original rx so that gives you some idea of how long ago it was anyway it's, it's, it's after playing around for a little bit with several ideas i kind of quit for the night went and sat in front of the tv and this honda advert came on television and it just kind of blew me away there were these really clearly defined bands of audio and i immediately just kind of went that's what i need to do and came upstairs and kind of Again, set to work, and, found, and for me, it was like a light going on. So I, uh, what I did was take sounds, isolate the various harmonics, render them out, put these into EXS24, say three or four at a time, and layer them so that, you know, I was playing this kind of composite sound from the keyboard. And then later on, I saw Mark, and I think it was Nick um, Dyker from Isotope, and mentioned how... This, how this has kind of taken place and what i love about rx is because you look at the spectrogram you kind of it changes your assumptions about audio so you're not looking at the waveform in a traditional sense and and as a result you kind of experiment and you kind of climb between the gaps as it were of the of audio and i think when you look at things harmonically it's inherently it appears to be inherently more musical anyway Long story short, they said uh, that they had actually considered this or they discussed it there 
and uh, but everyone was busy and the chances of making time for it was you know somewhere between nil and zero and that's why I assumed this was never going to happen which is why I mentioned it on the podcast when I think we were discussing RX2 yes I believe so yeah yeah and at that time <laughs> I probably said way too much but uh, some of the guys from Isotope were listening and I think you know judging by the comments from everybody it's effectively made them contact us and go okay so how can we kind of make this happen is it possible so we kind of thought chris and i just kind of went we have to make this happen because i'm such a fan of rx uh in particular rx2 once it had got the lassoes in and the magic wand and all of those kind of extra parameters chris and i were just kind of like right let's see if we can make this happen so we threw together a parameter list and we sent it to them. And then the, one of the, the main engineer, JB, came over to see us with something really rough as a kind of proof of concept, basically some modules bolted together. Uh, and what was brilliant is he was in Venice at the time, I think taking part in some kind of art festival, art and music festival. So he really got the concept, both from a musical and a kind of technical point of view, which was, which, it was all of these kind of things just sort of converged yeah um so then it was a kind of yeah yeah it was a case of you know some business stuff and then basically loads and loads of people have been on board mark did some awesome sound design uh we've had people like tara bush um what was it what was really interesting is that this um the i did some research on this honda advert and it turned out it was john hopkins who at the time was kind of having this massive hit with uh, Monsters. He did that movie. You remember that movie that was shot on this kind of guerrilla budget? And right. John's worked with Brian Eno. And then I, obviously, Carl from Underworld had worked with Brian, and he put us in touch. So we had this really big conversation about how Brian only uses things like spectral delays and how John gets all these kind of sounds and how he got the yeah. sound on that underwear. So it was just kind of huge. So then it just basically kind of carried on from there. And Chris did a ton of workflow, kind of defined the workflow of the instrument. And then it kind of toed and froed between us and Isotope for a long time. We went to Benji's studio, recorded a load of the modular stuff. Um, I set to work on the library. Mark, Mark, as I said, was a massive help on that. Uh, even Gaz came to see us at one point and kind of chipped in a few ideas. There's people like Tara, a guy called Scanner, who does some amazing recordings. In fact, he, he uh, gave us sounds of things like liposuction, liposuction oh. and a facelift, <laughs> yeah. because we love this idea of kind of juxtaposing <laughs> these really kind of disgusting sounds and isolating harmonics and turning them kind of into something beautiful. So it was a really, really interesting and fascinating project. And, you know, ultimately, this was the work of a lot, a lot of people. But everyone was really pumped, and the Isotope guys, Jack, JB, you know, um, Jeremy, all those guys are so smart that you know it was a kind of real thrill to do or be involved with. Fantastic. So, so Mark, tell me a bit about your involvement as well, because I mean, uh, you presumably got hold of some of the uh, the kind of early versions. Yeah, Dave started sending me versions. Middle of was it the middle of last year? So there were sort of various different beta versions of it, and I went out and recorded things that I thought would have interesting spectral content to put in it and try and make other things with. But 
when I first started playing it, the thing that became immediately apparent is that whenever you're trying to sample anything from a record, so just aside from the sound library creation, I discovered that I could drag an entire track into it or a chunk, a big enough chunk of a track and then just literally click on the sound that I wanted and play it across the keyboard. And that, to me, is absolutely brilliant, that you can just without having to sort of dig around and cut things up, you can almost instantly get at the sounds that you want to get at. Brilliant. Oh, fantastic. So from, from I've Phil... answered your question. <laughs> no, well, no, that's better. But I mean, you know, because I know you've talked about, you know, you're, you're very much um, the sound design stuff that you do. You know, a lot of the stuff in the past has been very kind of... Uh, just sort of difficult to achieve just because of the software tools that are there. So, I mean, is this just kind of make it much more um, sort of real? Well, and, 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 uh, it just makes it instant. So, so, I mean, I've played around with spectral tools for a long time and done all sorts of, and made sort of weird sounds out of spectral stuff. But when you can just, and um, I can't remember what it's called now. I used to have this piece of software that threw up spectrograms and you could play around with it. and Metasynth? Um, yeah, I had Metasynth. I got on okay with that. There's another one I was thinking of, but I can't remember what it's called. But, I mean, the fact that you can li- literally, you can throw the waveform up and you can throw a spectrogram up, and when you double-click on a, something in a low harmonic, it intelligently works out what all the other harmonics are, and you end up with, like, a series of waves across the band of harmonics that are most meaningful to that sound. And you can literally start separating sounds from other sounds. So, I mean, I know this sounds uh, like an odd sound to want. No, maybe it's not. I mean, there's, there's a sound at the beginning of that track that goes, can you feel it? And there's this siren that goes, yeah. at the beginning of and, and for about 20 years, I've been trying to get that sample on its own. Right? So I threw the beginning of that track into this thing and double-clicked on it, and it just took that sound and isolated it from all the drums and everything else. And then I was about able to play around with that and like stick that in a track and do things with it. And I, it's just, you know, the ability to... It wasn't just that I was able to do that, but it was that I was able to do that so quickly. And I think that's the key, because I think yeah. it will... My personal opinion is it will spawn a new generation of music because people will find they're able to put things together that traditionally they haven't been able to put together just by filtering or time stretch or whatever. You'll be able to isolate sounds and play them instantly and try them around with things. So That sounds fascinating. I mean, what are the synthesis capabilities like, uh, you know, in terms of what you can then do with it? I mean, can you can you do pitch correction as well or is it purely about sort of taking the sound and... And just isolating it, really. Pitch correct. Well, it will. Well, it will find pretty much the root note. You can tune it like a sampler. Obviously, there's loads of different filter types, so you can you can put that sound through uh, resonant, various different resonant style filters: high pass, low pass, band pass. So you've kind of got a synth on. It's if you think of a sampler, you've got a sampler, except you've got a very um, comprehensive a uh, narrow band filter system attached to a sampler where you could like in the same way as things like uh wave lab and obviously in the same way that isotope works you can actually isolate uh uh bands from within that sound right and then it's instantly available on the keyboard that's the most important part for me and that then is you impressive can put, yeah 
and then you can put it through a set of synthesis synthesis god i can't say that why can't i say that today? synthesis Synth- parameters synthesis parameters like envelopes filter envelopes pitch envelopes lfos and you can start assigning all sorts of different uh traditional synthesis to something that you've already pulled out of you know you can pull right, impossible right. things out of i can out, I, I can see what I can see. I can see what you mean about the concept that this could actually spawn a whole new s- set of sound. I mean, I'm guessing PJ something like this, particularly if you're working for clients, because that people love it, don't they? That directors, film directors, love it when you can take the sound of a visual element that they've used and turn it into something that makes a sound that is appropriate to the to the music. They love that kind of uh, approach, in, in my um, experience. Yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on this. Um, I can think of one project that I'm going to apply this to immediately, and um, that's uh, creating a, a branding tag for a company. Um, I can I can see how I can use this and sort of infuse elements of 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 their their product into their their audio identity. Right. And I think that 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 is a really really cool thing. And I, I I'm really excited about this. This is just phenomenal. One question I have for uh, maybe for Dave or Mark, if either of you know, um, will there be the ability in the future to animate the masks on the spectrogram? I can't answer that, PJ. I can't talk for us. I don't know. Um, I mean, there are so many ideas that were floated during yeah. the program. I mean, for me, it was really exciting because obviously we have a very, you know, when we uh, do an emulation, there's a very strict defined set of parameters and characters that we have to kind of adhere to. Whereas this was like, actually, we could do anything. Then there came this moment where it was like, uh, we could, but we are going to have to put the reins on certain things. And really as a kind of almost, not, not a proof of concept, but... um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you could kind of say that as a kind of proof of concept. Does this work? Let's take it to this level. And I mean, Mark was throwing in ideas left, right, and centre, and it was really fascinating <laughs> to kind of see these. And I, I, I felt sorry for a couple of guys that I spoke with. One, one guy in particular, Jack, that was sort of juggling all of the all of this input. And he was the one who really kind of had to make the hardcore decision as to what will be in and what may wait for another iteration. What I love about the way Isotope works is that, you know, RX was great in itself. RX2 was a big step forward. So it's my hope that actually there will be, you know, if we can get similarly progressive steps into Iris, it will be pretty awesome. Uh, it's and that's all like, I can say because that's all I know. Really. What, what Congratulations, sort of- guys. Congratulations. It's fantastic. Thank what, you. What sort of polyphony and kind of instances can you get in a sort of typical kind of laptop setup? You know, what those those kind of nuts and bolts things, what have you been finding? Oh, it's hardcore on the CPU. I mean, on my 8-core Mac, uh, there's, there's a couple of modes. Obviously, if you're in resynthesis mode, it's a lot lighter on the CPU because effectively the higher, you know, once you've got your root note, the higher you play up the keys, the more munchkin it will become. Uh, but then there's Iris, uh, well, it's, I think it's called Iris RX mode, which is the kind of pitch stretching, the time stretching, and that's all in real time. And that really does add quite a lot of CPU load. Yeah. Uh, and at one point we weren't entirely sure whether it was going to be possible to do that, but they, they made 
pretty big leaps in using that in real time because the computations it's doing, I mean, effectively, you've got limitless filtering when you're drawing these bands in using the lasso and stuff. You've got endless filtering. So at some point, it has to kind of take a snapshot and go, right, okay, it's this. And then it's got to spread that across the keyboard and make it even. So it, it yeah. so it's doing quite a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean I suppose you, you just bounce or whatever. I mean that's just the way it goes, isn't it? I mean you can't you can't have everything. I like the fact that you learn to deal with these limitations. You know, at first there was a kind of uh not frustration but kind of a scary thing until you kind of go, Oh, you know, how much is possible? Is this gonna be I've we've been wildly ambitious here, but I mean They've got some amazingly smart guys. And, and again, you know, in the same way as with things like the Tron, those limitations kind of force you to work in a, in a different way. And it's not a huge limitation, but I do find that, for example, I'll use um, a lot of monophonic stuff right. if I'm using the, the time stretch. Okay, well, so, I mean, I, I don't think limitations are a bad thing, and this thing does seem like it's capable of doing an enormous amount of things at the same time. So, I, once again, I'm mean, looking forward to that. I would like to play this second video because it does confirm that there was, that, that they the I don't know if you remember the isotope, uh, for our listeners anyway, there were the various transmissions, little blips that were just sort of hints at what was coming, and this was the final one. So I'd just like to play this as proof that we, we are, we do feel like we have a sort of kinship or uh, relationship to the of this instrument absolutely it takes a whole class of things that used to be you can't do that and turns them into sure just give me a few minutes that looks really interesting from a creative point of view i've been saying you have to try and find a way of turning this into a synth there we go proof that uh, we did have some kind of uh, in fact uh, uh, there was uh, there was a bit of stuff there so dave you're about to come in can i just say one thing that what was really funny is that obviously we do the podcast on a wednesday afternoon and then after that we uh, chris and i would have a conference call and a demo with everyone at isotope which was actually the best way round because at one point there was talk of bringing it forward and I was like, no, 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 I can't have it before the podcast because there are all these kind of punch-the-air moments and I would definitely have blurted something out had it been. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. But, yeah, no, it's brilliant. All of these things kind of do- – and th- this is what I absolutely love about the work that can be done is when all of these little things dovetail together, the whole John Hopkins thing, the fact that Carl was working with him, the conversations that happened on here, the conversations that had happened when all of these things dovetail together, there's this kind of meeting of minds. And for me, that's just totally awesome. Well, thank you very much. I, and we should say, actually, if I just uh, probably throw this up, the uh, it, it's available now. Uh, there's a 10 day um, unlimited demo which is a really cool idea I mean we might uh, hopefully going to try and do something with some sort of a uh, competition perhaps because you can make a sound out of anything so 10 day unlimited demo and if I go to uh, you can buy it if I click here and it's currently at 149 US dollars uh, which is 
uh, about a hundred bucks off. The original price, the main price is going to be two four nine, but you can get it for one four nine at the moment. I'm not sure how long this is going to last, but as far as I can yeah. tell, that's a pretty damn good price. You get four gigs Buy of sound it with it as well. That's about five hundred dollars less than what it's worth, in my opinion. <laughs> I think the uh, Isotope website says the beginning of May it goes up. Right, so you've got yep. until uh, well, you've got until the end of this month then, basically, to get in there and uh, do something. So, and there's a there's a plus version of the, of the product as well that comes ship it ships with two sample libraries. I yes, believe. Uh, we've yep. got it here. Iris Plus Two, which comes with uh, glass and wood, which are another two. Uh, uh, sort of specialist, I guess, libraries, uh, the four gigabyte sound library, and that's only another f- f- well, 50 bucks. So 199 bucks, and you see, that would ordinarily be 299. So I'm guessing their, ha- their servers are going to be hammered with all these downloads, four gig download for demo. I mean, they must be just caning it in bandwidth in bandwidth there so but once again we thank uh well i can't wait to get hold of it we've been promised um some nfrs because uh, you know we were part of part of somehow philosophical part of it anyway so i look forward to really getting hold of it and trying it out because uh, it really does look very exciting so um i think probably it's time to say uh have a word from our sponsors which i will just do now uh, if you're watching the video stream, which I'm guessing you might not be, as it's, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be working for, for those uh, out there, and I can only apologise, it will be working next week, uh, you can see that we have basically the sponsorship from Yamaha. O1V96i is their digital mixing console. It's compact, it's packed full of DSP, it's got 16 in, 16 out, USB 2 audio streaming, refined studio quality head amps. These are the same ones you find in the new Steinberg audio interfaces, which I know uh, have been very highly thought of. A full suite of VCM effects, master strip, channel strip and vintage stomp effects, plus RevX reverbs, 40 mixing channels, that's 32 mono and 4 stereo, 16 analog and 8 digital inputs. Uh, 24-bit 96K A to D DA converters. There's an ADAT board built in, so you don't need to use up one of your slots for that. It's still got a spare slot if you want other interfacing options. 100mm uh, motorized faders, four effects sim- simultaneous, uh, eight auxes and eight mix buses. Uh, advanced pro- uh, door support comes with Cubase AI Studio Manager. Uh, you can cascade two of them together to get a full 80 channels of mix down. And there's also a mini YGDAI expansion slot, so that you can put stuff like uh, CobraNet and various other options, AES, SPDIF, extra, even more ADAT inputs if you particularly wanted to. So we've created a little uh, URL for you to go straight to the page. Uh, it's bit.ly URL, so it's bit.ly slash 01v96i. So do check it out. And if you're if you're in a, a store which uh, stocks a lot of Yamaha stuff, do go and have a look at it and see if it uh, fits the bill. Because if you're in the... Mo- in in need of a digital console, whether it be live or studio, for whatever reason, it really does have an awful lot to offer. Right, uh, back again. Let me see what's next on the topic. We've got... Uh, ah, madness. Well, we could talk about all sorts. There's so much, actually quite a lot this week. Um, let's maybe have a look at uh, this, though, because this was the one sent in by Mark, actually. So this is the Kurzweil K2000 on eBay at the moment. Uh, I'm going to scroll down. The reveal is coming now. There we go. Buy it now for £265,000. Now, that is not... Uh, uh, incorrect. It's actually £265,000. And the reason it is is because it's actually uh, the one by 
uh, Richard Wright. It's used by Richard Wright, who is the long, you know, it's the keyboard player from Pink Floyd. It was used on the Pulse tour and DVD. Uh, in fact, I can prove that because I, in fact, do have. If you look here, stay tuned. There it is, just in the background. You can see it just there. There we go. So I'm not fibbing. <laughs> it's actually true. Uh, it's in working order. It's been well used. It, it was. It's been. Uh, it's. Let me see. What's what? That was, it. it it's been used in his personal writing system, which is on his yacht, which I kind of like. I just like the idea of that. But what I especially like is the Hammond B3 is not included in the sale. And yeah. I'm thinking for 265,000 quid, <laughs> you could include the bloody house that it's pictured in. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of money. I mean, it is a legacy as well. I, I mean, I know Rich Hilton, he's not here, but he definitely does not feel all that uh, sort of, he doesn't get all that... Um, sentimental about instruments particularly not electronic instruments guitars maybe things that live and breathe i don't know what do you think mark you spotted it so um what do you think you, you're going to be maybe put that i've noticed there are nine offers being made all declined flabbergasting absolutely flabbergasting i mean maybe 265 pounds at a push but 265 thousand pounds i just <laughs> i mean i was sort of mildly amused when i saw it and i thought it ought to be in the podcast so i sent it to you obviously um but um what what, how could, what could possibly make it worth that much money the library it's that comes what, with it possibly it doesn't mention anything about that does it oh uh hold on uh reason it's, not, it's no. not really even authenticated is it it's not signed or anything it doesn't have his signature scrawled across it so no um, it, i don't know it says uh this is a fantastic piece of rock history from one of the best uh, yeah, yeah i suppose i mean you could Might say be, that but... i don't know it seems a bit crazy but having said that i mean uh, i don't know if you can see in the background here um let me see what i've got in the corner there there's a uh, roland juno 106 which is used on um oh i don't know something some remix or other that somebody famed kylie say for instance and uh what have i got the monopoly over there that was probably used on um something or other you know, do you reckon I could inflate the price just because of that? Or is it not, am, am I not, uh, I, I guess I'm not a Pink Floyd person. Obviously, um, Mr. Wright is uh, no longer with us. He passed away in 2008. I wonder if that makes it kind of seem more valuable because it's kind of the spirit. I, I don't know. It just seems a little bit um, bit tasteless somehow um, to, to want oh. to charge so much for it. Surely the market should be what is saying, I'd, I'd buy it. And people should be able to bid on it and say, you know, yes, it, it has value to me rather than just suppose it's caught of a million quid. Just seems like an awful lot. I don't know, PJ. What do you think? You're going to be buying it? <laughs> Saving my pennies right now, Nick. I think um, whoever put that that piece on eBay and and tagged that price to that piece was obviously living on the dark side of the moon. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah, nice work. Very good. I, Very it good is indeed. Really unbelievable. Somebody would even dream that anybody would pay that for that piece. And especially, as Mark said, it's not even authenticated. I mean, it doesn't have right signature on it. And and even if it did, I mean, I can see possibly, yeah, like you say, I think the market should bear it out. Put it up on eBay, offer a reasonable starting bid, and then let people bid the thing up and yeah. see where it goes and and not be so astronomically presumptuous as to be 
Ronald McDonald ridiculous. When it I wonder what the B3 below it's going to be, because, I mean, that's got two keyboards. Surely that must be uh, about half a million quid, possibly. Uh, and it's em- probably eminently more usable. At this well, point. Um, Ed in the chat room says it's been corroded by salt air to boot because it's on his yacht. Uh, someone should buy it and use it as another brick in the wall. Oh. There's some great ones there, and there uh, it it does. I mean, I I mean, obviously, you know, we don't know the history and why it's being tried. You know, maybe it's going to a good cause. You know, maybe his family needs the money. Although if he's if he's been on a yacht, I can't imagine that they're going to be wanting for all that much. But yeah, it's it's astonishing, isn't it? I know, Dave. I mean, you know, you've bought um, Chick Corea's uh, OB8 voice. I don't. I'm guessing it wasn't anything like that price. But some might say it has no, more. More artistic value, I don't know, because it's a it's it's an electronic instrument rather than you know the Kurzweil is. I suppose it is an instrument, but it doesn't look like one that has a lot of soul. Uh, no, but weirdly enough, I've got this cool prophecy that was owned uh, <laughs> by. Uh, if anyone wants to buy that, I was thinking of putting that on for about hundred grand, eighty grand, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the guy who invented dream, and uh, no, um. I, uh, I'm surely they got just got the decimal point in the wrong place at least twice. Yeah, two thousand six hundred and fifty <laughs> would be a lot. Very dodgy math. <laughs> oh look, mechanic in the chat room says he'd buy. He'll buy it. He'll buy it. What the Kurtzwell? Uh, no, the uh, I think. Ah, um, oh, maybe not. Maybe he was. Uh, maybe he's talking that he would. He would buy the uh, prophecy. Oh well, there you go. No, actually, do you know what? When I got that home. I plumbed it in and played around with it and thought, hmm, it's nothing spectacular, is it? And then I, and then uh, actually, Fel Muso really helped me out and he said, you can reinitialize all the presets. So I looked up how to do that and did that. And the presets were better than the patches you had in it. I didn't make any patches in it. Uh, no, okay, that's good. <laughs> I'd just like to say, <laughs> I didn't. I, I mean, I found some of it as quite sort of performing and kind of fun, very, but I mean, I couldn't think of any instance I would actually be you know firing it up i mean it's quite it was quite expressive admittedly perhaps yeah, more like I, I look probably more expressive than a kurzweil k2000 yeah i kind of I used to like that k2000 but i mean that was a that was like in about 1991 or something yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's an interesting idea i mean i don't know that uh that, that it'll go for that i mean it's got 22 days let's see what's it got it's got 22 days uh, and two hours to go, and uh, it's had nine offers. So, Does it have nine? a really oh. bad SPDIF digital out on it? I hope it at least has that. Has the SPDIF. No, yeah. I don't think it has. <laughs> well, funnily enough, it doesn't, actually say, it doesn't actually say anything about the specification of the instrument. <laughs> it's only about the provenance. It, doesn't actually, it just says it was used and it's on the DVD. Uh, the tenor. The thing about the Kurzweil K2000 is that if you go out and you buy any current Kurzweil keyboard, it's got all it of can make all the sounds that the Kurzweil K2000 makes because Kurzweil like to have a lot of backward compatibility. So pretty much any sound that's in that will be, it will be possible to load that sound into one of the more modern ones. So it doesn't have anything that you couldn't go out and buy in a new one, as in the new one doesn't emulate it, it is it. It still has that as part of its operating system. So it just it's, has no kind of, it has no vintage value at all, does it, really? Here's another interesting factoid about the K2000. 
if you want to time stretch a 10 second piece of audio in the Kurzweil K2000, you can load it up, do the math, figure out how long or how short you want to make that slice of audio, cue the thing up, set it to go, drive across town, order a pizza, eat that pizza, go have a few beers, come home, sleep the night, <laughs> get up the next morning, and then it'll be ready for you, and it won't sound anything like the original piece of audio. So uh, you can do that with it. Um, you know the size of thing that we've been talking about? Um, you know, I had lots and lots of ideas for that, and they decided that maybe it was a bit too soon to put them in. <laughs> yeah. Well, years ago, I had a friend in Kurzweil R&D, and I gave him lots and lots of ideas of things the Kurzweil K2000 could do, which were probably way beyond its computing power, and that may just have been one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's your fault. But did you, yeah. did you actually, yeah, did you say that it has to be, uh, has to take long enough to actually m- drive across town and get a pizza? I think no. I think they should have built that in. K two thousand mode. K two thousand mode. Would you like Would you like garlic bread I with that? Uh, I do remember that I kept asking them them to add features to the sequencer, and in the end, they had problems fitting all of the program on the EPROMs, and the sequencer had so many features that it just completely lost any ability to stay in time by the time it got to the <laughs> version because well, it just couldn't compute everything, but it was fun, to, you know, suggesting things and seeing them arrive. Well, if you do fancy this, um, you can basically uh, you should be able to put a bid in. No, uh, no sensible offers uh, refused, possibly, or even um, accepted by the looks of things. I don't know. I mean, uh, you do actually. Uh, it looks like the person bought the yacht, and maybe they're trying to recoup the yacht price in the K two thousand. I'm not sure. Um, all right. Well. That, a bit of fun. A bit of fun. You meant but... the yacht, not the keyboard. Yeah. Oh, no. It's the wrong keyboard, yeah. Uh, let me have a look. Uh, what's next? Ah, yes. Holographic performance. This is kind of a bit bonkers. Let's see. I think we've got uh, video four. That was the big reveal there. That was the uh, holographic performance of uh, Tupac Shakur uh, at the recent Coachella Festival. It was kind of quite a big deal. It was he was on stage with Snoop Dogg, and from what I could tell, it actually looked really quite impressive, if not a little creepy, um, because obviously uh, he's been dead for six years, and so you know him sort of making this with all the crucifix and the comeback sort of thing was it was probably a little bit blasphemous but i mean a very interesting idea and one that certainly grabbed a hell of a lot of potential uh, a lot of publicity and it looks like they might even be uh taking it on the road so there'll probably be a two-pack and biggie kind of uh you know event and you can just imagine i think uh, as uh, james from uh, synthtopia said you know is this going to start the uh the the rap East West rap, East West Coast rap wars all over again. Uh, but this is part of Dr. Dre's kind of uh, doing, and that uses some very interesting technology to do it. And I, that, I, I did have a dig around and have a look at, at some other examples. And actually, it's kind of there's some really cool ideas. There's things where people you've got a solo performer who's on stage, they're doing their thing, and then suddenly they kind of split into three of themselves and all dancing in sync. And it just there's there's a lot of creative potential for this that could actually make it quite cool. And 
And, uh, you know, Dave, what do you think? I mean, the idea of being able to do the gig from your, you know, just like you could just have a back room with a green screen in it and you just show up uh, on uh, Saturday night after Coronation Street, do your gig for a couple of hours and then go to the pub without actually having to fly halfway across the world. Or is that wrong? I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? I did see... I, what was interesting, I saw this this morning on on breakfast television. Um, the guy who was one of the main people behind the technology was on, and the, and the presenter was trying to ask, how much would it cost to have this at my wedding? For example, <laughs> Elton John playing the piano at my wedding. And he wouldn't be pinned down on price all he would say is that that's ultimately where they'd like it to go but at the minute it's prohibitively expensive i did think it was exceptionally i'm not entirely sure about the subject matter but the uh the technology is very very cool it is very cool uh, they um let me see the company it's musion technology it uses polycom 80 what it is is it basically it uses between six and ten gigabit uh Link. So you have the codecs that you use depend on how the quality of the, the of it, and then there's this kind of reverse. Uh, um, it's basically a projector that that bounces the light back up, so you get this hologram. And it obviously takes a little bit of uh, setting up, but uh, they use the mu. It's the Musion Musion eyeliner system, and it had a 30 foot by 13 inch screen. 30-foot screen, and it was customised by AV Concepts to descend onto the stage in seconds. So basically they could do it very, very quick, and the reveal would happen incredibly quickly. So it looked like the person was there. So they obviously know that, and obviously for big events it works pretty good. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, part of me thinks, what's wrong with that? But part of me thinks, isn't it a bit of a con? And what do you think, Mark? Um, I've wanted to do it for years and years and years, and ever since... I've had this image in my mind of running a two-inch 24-track machine at the back of uh, a stage, so that gives you some idea of how long I've thought <laughs> about this. And um, I don't know, I just think it's really cool. And and some of the other ideas, that you're just the idea of Elton John playing at your wedding, that's a brilliant idea. I like, I like all of this stuff. It's a, just a different creative medium. You've got to just think of it as not really being like a gig and more of a sort of a An event. theatrical theatrical performance maybe or just a performance or a new style of performance and um uh it opens up lots of new corridors for people to be creative in doesn't it it's going to create again another new genre another style of doing things i mean i'm sure you know like in the 1940s when somebody invented the electric guitar people were horrified by that or some people were and some people saw the creative potential. So I just see it as a new kind of creative potential, and, and it, it will get better and better, won't it? Yeah, I guess so. Um, chat room has uh, come up with some interesting uh, uh, points. Uh, MTV Awards had it years ago with Dame, uh, Damon, Damon Alban, I'm guessing that's probably, which was the uh, oh. Gorillas. But that wasn't the same thing. That was a projection rather than something that was sort of more holographic. I mean, I don't think this is really holographic. But it's just very well-tuned to look correct. When uh, I helped out with uh, War of the Worlds stage thing a couple of a few years back, and they had a hologram of Richard Burton, but it was just his face, and it was really massive, and it looked a bit like a sort of Thunderbird puppet, which was quite <laughs> quite sort of strangely disarming when you sat in the audience going, "He's looking at me." You know that Vocaloid thing, the Yamaha thing. 
Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. There's some, um, in Japan there's some holographic stars that go along with that Vocaloid thing, and, oh, but they're I'm... like big anime kind of characters, aren't they? But I'm pretty sure they're holographically projected. Undoubtedly, so... but I, I suppose the thing is, is if the event is staged in a big enough arena and the lighting and the atmosphere and there's other other events around it, then it could actually have. You know, it could it could work incredibly well. I know, PJ, you've sort of worked on various sort of AV installations. I mean, something like this would would you would you pay to go and see something like this? I mean, I certainly would once to see whether what it was like. But I think it depends on on what it was. Would I pay to see the reunion of Biggie and Tupac and no. and all of them? No, probably not. But um, I think, like like everybody said, this intimates at the creation of an entirely new genre or maybe uh, maybe better said a, a venue of some kind hmm. so I, I could see holographic um, you know retrofits in stadiums and theaters around around this country and all over the world and then you could have a performer performing from one venue and maybe holographically beamed to other venues simultaneously selling thousands upon thousands of tickets you know around uh. around the world um, but that that seems to me like a pedantic use of this kind of technology. I mean, there, there's going to be all kinds of mind-bending uses yeah. that I could see this technology put to. Um, one thing is it's, uh, it's slightly frightening is that now we're getting to the point where really we can't trust our eyes. Um, you know, there's going to be – I mean, this is early nascent use of this technology, but eventually it'll probably get so good you're going to be able to beam somebody – into a seat next to somebody else and, and from across the room you might not be able to tell the difference between them and a real person so that, that's yeah <laughs> well, then you've got the smell to deal with well there you go perfume yeah. there'll be perfume to go along with it i know that I, th- I mean i think the idea of it um what you're describing is sort of a bit like a live television broadcast isn't it except rather than sitting in your own room watching it and doing a pay-per-view you're going somewhere else for it and paying inflated bar prices and buying cheap hot dogs i mean well it's kind of more like going to see a movie yeah so so you go to something that's slightly larger and and better possibly than a film and if done correctly better than these current crop of 3d films you're going to pay for the sound system obviously you know for the the decibel the decibel levels you pay for being a part of the crowd and having that sort of energy transmit through the crowd and if it's done well and it's convincing enough uh you know i think a lot of people probably won't begrudge the fact that it's not the true live experience i mean i can see that happening it's an interesting it's an interesting idea sorry what what might become interesting is like I mean, in my lifetime, I didn't or haven't bothered to go and see the Beatles. So if somebody said to me, like, do you want to come to the new Cavern Club in Liverpool and come and see the Beatles play live, and the experience was something like something out of the 60s, then it could, you could have these kind of bizarre historical sort of musical theme parks. So, so I could go and see Elvis or Little Richard or, Rock and or the Roll. Beatles. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, that, that's an interesting point that Mark brings up and it reminds me to that I was going to comment on that is that this is definitely going to usher in a whole new level of security with uh, trademarking and copywriting oh, of, of names and personas and that kind of thing because you're going to have 
people's estates after they're they're gone or or whoever controls their trademark uh renting them out to facilities like this for that very purpose i would imagine and i I would imagine there'll be a glut of that kind of thing over the course of the next decade where you you know you can go and see the beatles resurrected yeah or or next time or um, you know for instance they might be figuring out a way to say like one direction who are all over the states at the moment they're a uk boy band that was constructed maybe they're going to get Spend a week in a in a, in some sort of studio being scanned so that they can be repurposed ad infinitum, you know, as kept as commodity. Uh, yeah, kept forever young and as a commodity. I mean, that's uh, entirely possible. This reminds me of um, Joss Whedon's show, The Dollhouse. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that no. that that television program. I, it just reminds me of this because I've been watching this, and it, it's that kind of thing where people are being copied and and repurposed and that kind of thing. I mean, we're, we're there to some I w- degree. I wonder what the uh, ramifications for things like double jeopardy are on this or being tried again for another crime or being tried for a, a crime that's already been committed or if anybody tried to assassinate Tupac's hologram. <laughs> what the ramifications of that would be. Whether crimes you could actually even get done for that. Crimes against music, perhaps. I'm not sure. But, uh... It's a kind of weird one, isn't it? It opens up. It's huge. Huge. No, but seri- seriously, there are some other links online uh, to them demonstrating the technology. And that looks really good because they've got things like solo performers just playing away and these amazingly beautiful sort of uh, unreal... Like there's, there's, there's a guy playing guitar and there's this sort of... Uh, naked female form in a in a in what looks like a kind of big tube of water, but beautifully lit, just sort of floating like an angel above the stage, and it's it just it's really quite visually uh, interesting and sort of better than the just the big projection at the back of the stage. You know, it has more magic to it, I suppose, and that's what showbiz, I suppose, is about. I mean, I imagine if you you know tie this together with someone like David Copperfield in uh, in Vegas, and you could get some really exciting and stunningly visual shows. You know, those big kind of scale shows that I've never been to one of those, but I imagine something like this would just go down a treat in that sort of environment. Or when you start to do something that's slightly more surreal, like like you were just intimating with the female form floating above above the stage i mean you you can get into all kinds of special effects mm. that you're never never able to do in a show before with just you know, I, th- standard- I think i think that's where it's going to be the most the most interesting to be honest because that's really got uh, an awful lot to to offer uh, so maybe maybe you could hang yourself in a glass box above the river thames for like three months but you could not be uh, there Really, not be there. Yeah, just, just projecting a hologram into the glass box. Great maybe idea. Maybe that's what he did. Actually. Maybe, maybe yeah, that, he should have done. Maybe that was it. Right. Let's have a look. What else we've got? Uh, oh, I like this. I just thought a quick, a quick look at uh, a bit of um, awesome music-themed furniture. I like these sort of big foam. Uh, they look like a rack of. Uh, this, this, this basically came because I saw the sofa, uh, the Moog. The Moog sofa, uh, which I think I will get to shortly. Uh, here it is, if I click on that. This was on the Moog booth at Music Massa, and everybody was just so blown away. And I thought it was lovely. I took a big picture of it, and it was uh, it was really sweet. Uh, and uh, I, I really quite um, wanted to see what else they did. And they've got some really great things, and I just want to get some for the studio. <laughs> They're great props. I like that one. Look, that's almost a, a, a life-size mini Moog. Small boy. Did you like any of this, Dave? I can't, I, there's no room for it in your house, but... Um... I'm not sure about this 
in yeah, I, I'll tell you what I really did like. I liked the, the Marshall fridge. I thought that was exceptionally cool. Oh, fridge. Was there a fridge there? I don't, I'm not sure whether it was on that one, but somebody posted not on a... The web, not on yeah, that website, yeah. Somebody posted a Marshall fridge, which actually looks like, you know, 4 by 12 a couple of 4 by 12 cabs. And I thought that was exceptionally cool. Gave me an idea for a couple of other things. But I'm not sure about sofas and oh. tables made out of mini mogs and stuff like that. It's I, kind of, I like it. I could imagine... Could you imagine me trying to get that into my house here? Louise just look at me and just go, it's taken over everything, hasn't it? It has now. <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'd like some behind me here. Well, also, well, you could get maybe uh, a VP330 or a Moog uh, VG10, <laughs> something like that. Uh, sorry, a call... V- <laughs> As I know how she loves that. Yeah, how about that mod, mod, yes, vocoder sofa? sofa? And a vocoder. At the same time, yeah. Great idea. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, but it's just a thought. I just thought it was kind of fun. This is, these are called Woof, and that's, D, that's W... Let me see if I can bring that up here. It's W-O-O-U-F dot com, and uh, you can buy it all online, and it's got some sort of foam. They've just sort of got some funky stuff there. I really enjoyed it. And I'd like some of that. I thought the, um, that image of the guy cycling along on the bicycle with an absolutely massive Walkman was quite amusing. Yeah, that's good. Oh, look, Dave's got his... Um, oh, the bag. Yeah, I love got, those. He's got his bag on the, on the go there. Modeling my 999 bag. Oh, I'm trying to switch to it. But hold on, my, my video switching's all frozen, so I'm going to have to... Right, come on. Oh, right, I'll try again. There, there it is, the 909 bag. That's right. Yay. Made in Rude. Greece. So yeah, yeah. I'm not not wonder- actual, you know, made from Greece, made in Greece. I wonder whether it was actually made with any license. Anyway, who knows? Anyway, I thought it was fun. All right then. Um, so I think it's just down to our final video, so we can have a bit of a laugh with this one. Do this quickly. Uh, here it comes. That's great, isn't it? I mean, uh, I, what I particularly like about that is the sort of just the very slight OCD of the uh, of the singer who's just kind of yeah. washing his hands, everything, wiping everything and being a little bit just over finickety, but not overdone. And then it, it's like one of those uh, things at SpongeBob SquarePants where, uh, you know, that, that, where they, you, you see what it really looks like when they do a cutaway. I know. Um, we've I would think we've covered smelly mics before, but I mean... You should, should you have a mic? Aren't there various issues that if you take a mic to a gig, then you've got to make sure that it's marked as yours and all that sort of thing? I mean, what do you think, Mark? Um, Any thoughts? Well, actually, I I just I followed some of your links that you sent in there, and I clicked onto their website and found one with a very pretty blonde girl uh, doing pretty much the same as that guy with a bit more of the the heavy metal band beforehand with the guy virtually being sick into the microphone uh. and someone throwing it into a box full of cables and then taking it out and putting it up for this girl. And uh, that that one has this uh, sort of soft feminine soft feminine edge to it, which is also amusing. Which, uh, uh, well, I, I, was look, I, I did a quick search on... Um, 
microphone bacteria, <laughs> funnily enough, just to see what it would throw up. And it threw up this this article here, which was karaoke microphone germs. Are you spreading a singing virus? And it made me think, you know, for all the sort of uh, the, the rock and roll problem, a karaoke bar, that would be probably even worse. And PJ, I mean, you, you probably don't do a lot of singing, but I'm imagine at piano gigs, you know, they might hand you a mic just for sort of in between chit chat. I mean, do you tend to take your one for take your own for that, or are you um, just taking your life in your hands when you uh, when you do that sort of thing? Uh, I bring um, alcohol swabs. Ah, okay. Yep. I just wipe it off. Yep, that makes and, sense. And uh, I used to be the lead singer of a band um, uh, that traveled throughout this country and uh, did lots of singing and did the same thing. Always brought alcohol swabs. Ah, okay. But not your own mic? Nope. nope. Hmm. See, you've just given me a whole other idea, and actually that is that I do these um, self-development seminars sometimes, like large group awareness training things. And you have about two people, two, 200 people sitting in a room, and you have some microphones, and people go up to the front and they talk. And I'm just thinking those microphones in that building have been there I mean, I've been doing going to those things on and off for about 10 years, so those microphones are probably the same ones over a period of 10 years. <laughs> and uh, the people doing the sound are generally people who don't know anything about sound, so you kind of have to talk quite closely into the microphone. I'm just thinking, God knows what germs are in those things. I mean, people cry and stuff on those things. and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm... I'm, I'm... Kind of fortunate. I'm not as so anal that I would have thought to do that unless I didn't already have access to them. I take a medication that requires me to inject, so I have boxes of alcohol swabs in my house, and that's ah. what made me think to do it. But for anybody that is, you know, rut- routinely exposed to microphones and would like to do the same thing, you can get really good deals on boxes of alcohol swabs <laughs> through any specialty pharmacy. I highly recommend they're, 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 it. I've got, I've got to bring this up. There's yeah. a, actually a brilliant uh, Red Walks in the uh, in the chat room has this. I can't get no disinfection, but I try. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I think that might be the show title right there. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's, just, that's awesome. That's a brilliant one. Uh, absolutely superb. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, incidentally, uh, if you wanted to know, you can, in fact, buy uh, the... Uh, let me see. You could buy the uh, ATM150 cardioid dynamic vocal microphone for a mere 169 US dollars, uh, which has natural reproduction, low handling noise, and is rugged. So I'm guessing that is ultimately the point of this particular video series. But they've done a good job of. Uh, it's all gone vi- gone viral. <laughs> there we go. That's a that's another pun. That's another. Uh, so so I guess so. But I mean, yes, it probably is a good idea to take your own mic. Um, why wouldn't you? Uh, anyway, that's kind of getting on pretty much about it for this uh, this week. There's just remains for me to say one more thing, and that is uh, that we are going to be um, having in the studio on Friday Susie Conrad, who's the UK joint winner of the Loop Station World Championships, the boss one, and uh, she's going to come and do a couple of tunes and just deconstruct one of the one of them for us and show us how the tech works for her. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that because it's the first thing that we're doing. It's going to be over there in the um, the blue corner. We're setting up everything. We've got all the. Um, I was going to try and do it live, but I thought maybe that would be a little bit um, excessive, excessively risky. <laughs> so we'll get the whole thing set up. We'll do a couple of songs, and then we'll we'll have a piece, and I'll play some into the podcast next week. In the meantime, there's a little bit here um, of her, which I can quickly show you um, while we do the um, the goodbyes. So that is Susie Conrad right there at the Roland um, finals. 
Or maybe it was one of the heats. And she does the whole thing in her boss uh, loop station. And she's got some great vocal arrangements as well, which is kind of cool. But what I might do is say goodbye to everybody as this plays out and give you a sort of uh, a, a musical bed, if you like, of uh, what's going on there. So I want to say thank you very much to Dave Spears, G4 Software. If I thank flip you. to you there. And congratulations on the uh, output of the um, Iris. And we're really looking forward to that. Hopefully you might be able to come down and give us a little bit of a tour and so we could get a bit of a product business on it. If that's yeah, possible sure. in the future, yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Anyway, thank you very much, Dave Spears, G4 Software. Congratulations, and I uh, hope um, I hope you're on a really big royalty because <laughs> they're going to sell loads of them. Anyway, and also I will say, uh, Mark Tinley, Mark Tinley, LikeBeing.com. Thank you very much for joining us as well. Uh, much, 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 much appreciated. Uh, and I'm sure she has her own microphone. So anyway, thank you very much. And also PJ Tracy from PJ Tracy Sound, if I get this right. Thank you for joining us as well. I'm just going to turn this this down a little bit so it doesn't interfere. So PJ, thank you very much uh, also for joining us. Uh, been a pleasure having you aboard. We will get that video working at some point. Oh, you De- bet. Definitely. You bet. And I want Thanks, to say Nick. also, I wanted to say also, um, now, if you've been listening to the podcast, the last couple of podcasts, I've been using Isotope Nectar uh, across it, and it definitely makes quite a big difference. It sounds a lot more sort of crisp to my mind. So let me know what you think about that, if it's an improvement in sound overall. And, uh, and yeah, it won't, you won't hear it on the video side of things, but certainly on the MP3 one and the SoundCloud version, which we put up every week as well, uh, you can... You can hear Nectar in full effect. So once again, thanks to our sponsors uh, here at Sonic Tour. That's Yamaha. And also, don't forget, you can also save 20% on uh, Mac Pro Video videos if you want. Um, just go to sonicstate.com forward slash MPV. You save 20% on all downloads. Anyway, here we go. Uh, just the last few seconds of uh, Susie Conrad, who will be appearing next week. Oh, 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 oh.